Hey, everybody, thanks a lot for sticking with us. Uh, coming around the horn here, as I, as at the bottom of the hour, I suppose you could call it. Uh, we're back, and I got kind of lucky here. Uh, during the break, I was able to get uh, Joe O'Day on the line, who you should know if you don't, you're living under a rock, and you need to un- turn that rock over and get out from under it. Uh, Joe is running for United States Senate against uh, Michael somebody. I can't remember. The guy is a personality of uh, of milk toast. Uh, so he may be in the room with me right now. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't know with the kind of uh, charm and charisma that he exudes. Uh, and Joe's our hope. You know, in the first segment of the show, we talked about. You know, we're living. They were living in a city that uh, a medieval city, and you know, they have us, have us walled off, and they're catapulting the occasional dead horse and whatnot over the walls. This is part of the rescue force coming for us. So, uh, Joe, thanks so much for joining us for a few minutes. I know you're busy. Great to be back on the Western Slope, Rick. Thanks for having me today. Love it over here. We've got a, a great race going right now. I can tell you that uh, we're within the, the margins, and uh, you can see that uh, they're a little nervous in Washington. They've pumped $30 million worth of PAC money into the uh, the airways, trying to uh, lie, cheat, and steal their way back into the, uh, back into the Senate. And uh, my wife and I are... We're plugging away. She's giving a speech here this afternoon, and I'm uh, I'm out running around as well. Well, we really appreciate it. We know you uh, you were down here in Grand Junction on Friday, and uh, you're all over the Western Slope here. And I'm hoping uh, everybody that had an opportunity got out to see you. And you folks out there, this this race particularly, I mean, I know I beat this drum, but it's about turnout. So not just you, but making sure everybody else votes as well. And, uh, I mean, I actually walked my ballot over yesterday to, uh, to stick it in the, uh, in the ballot box outside of the clerk's office. A young fellow from Facebook tried to wrestle me to the ground, but I managed to get away from him, um, and, uh, get that ballot in there. You know, they want to harvest them. And, uh, I'm, what I worry about ballot harvesting, which we have in Colorado here, you know, 10, you can take 10 of other people's votes for some reason. Um, is, uh, <laughs> harvesting is one thing, uh, getting it where it's supposed to be is something else. So got to get out, got to vote. Uh, Joe, Rick, uh, you're, you're spot, you're spot on, Rick. Uh, if we get this turnout, we're going to win up and down the ticket. Uh, it's a, it's a big deal here in Colorado in a presidential year. We have 350,000 more conservatives to vote in the presidential year than the non-presidential. And we're never going to see an election cycle that, uh, is more ripe for change here in Colorado than the one we're in right now. Uh, these guys have, have managed to screw our economy up in a big way, Biden and Bennett. Bennett votes within 98% of the time. Uh, people got to ask themselves, how am I feeling about uh, my economy right now? How am I feeling about my grocery price? How am I feeling about uh, price of gas, diesel? And, and I can tell you that, you know, these numbers are through the ceiling right now, not to mention that we've lost 10% of our buying power here in Colorado. And it's all because of Michael Bennett. He cast that deciding vote on $1.9 trillion uh, that's caused this record inflation across the state and across the nation. And and not to mention what he's done over here on the Western Slope to uh, to put a war on uh, fossil fuels. He and Joe Biden are not partnering with any kind of federal permits right now. I've heard that from... Uh, Several of the uh, gas companies here over, and we've eliminated jobs, and that was all under his watch. It's time to put somebody in 
the U.S. Senate from Colorado that cares about the Western Slope. That's why I've been campaigning so hard over here. Is is it, this, our economy depends on it, and we need the Western Slope. Uh, and, and so I've, I've been over here. Uh, this will be about the eighth or ninth time. We're going to get over here a couple more times before the ballots are cast on the 8th of November. But I'm looking forward to a win, and I need the Western Slope to help carry me through that. It's just around the corner, folks. And, you know, Joe, you're very timely on that discussion about energy, which is a huge issue, obviously, was, uh, you know, yesterday the uh, Public Utilities Commission, which is pretty much an arm of Jared Polis now due to their appointments between him and Hickenlooper, uh, approved a $60 million rate increase uh, on the price of uh, fuel out there, folks. All of us will be paying for natural gas. So we better hope for a mild winter. Otherwise, we're going to be paying a lot more money when we try and heat our homes. And that's just one well, gift they, they, from Bennett. They, uh, yeah, just of several. Uh, and, and I'm sure folks have heard here this week that uh, they're going to release 15 million barrels uh, from our strategic reserve in order to protect the Democratic uh, uh, voters here, or in, in order to protect the, the Democrats in, in the Senate. Um, that's going to do nothing but artificially lower the price of gas here for the next two weeks. Uh, so they can get reelected, and it's a it's a stunt. It's it's distasteful. It's unbelievable they would stoop to that level. But these are the same guys that did the uh, student debt transfer, right? Right. Uh, working Americans are going to pay somebody else's uh, uh, debt on their tuition, even if you didn't go to school. You're paying somebody else's tuition. Uh, my guys at Concrete Express, boy, they they were livid when they heard that. Well, you know, I, I, I should have held out, you know, and just, uh, on my student loan. Maybe I, yeah, I would have got lucky. Who knows, you know, uh, but I guess I was mistaken by paying it off. I thought I owed it. <laughs> it's silly that way sometimes, isn't it? Uh, well, oh, it's terrible. You're, you're so right. And that we, we've seen these massive transfers of responsibility for debt from the people that owe them to the people who pay their taxes. And, you know, that that's all you folks out there. So it's got to stop. I mean, it's not just a question of policy change anymore. It's a question of uh, survival of a country that we recognize in two or three years versus uh, one we don't. And You're spot on, Rick. You're spot on. This uh, in- Inflation Reduction Act that they're pushing through, unbelievable. 87,000 uh, IRS uh, bureaucrats going to shake down working Americans here in Colorado. Uh, I was talking to... Uh, Got to, got to see a study from the uh, Joint Committee on Taxation, and that's a nonpartisan committee. And they're saying that those uh, audits, uh, 75% of them are going to come from working Americans making less than $100,000 a year. So they're coming for us. And they're coming after small business owners, gig guys, guys driving Ubers. Uh, anybody, you know, small business-wise is going to be paying for this. Michael Bennett had an opportunity to prohibit uh, – anybody making 400000 or less from having an audit, and he voted no against it right before this bill came out. Well, there's not enough billionaires to keep 87,000 IRS agents busy, so I think we know what's in the cards there. And you're right. It's it's the gig workers, the people who, uh, the plumbers, the contractors, the electricians, all you guys out there. The IRS, under this administration, has become convinced that you're holding money back, that these small businesses, you're taking cash, you're doing this, you're doing that, and you're not paying your taxes. That's that's where the audits are going to start coming. All you guys that are self-employed out there, I'm self-employed, uh, 
Everybody like that, that's who they're aimed at, if you look at their literature out there. They're convinced you're holding back. You're not giving Uncle Joe the money he needs to pay other people's bills. And that's uh, that's going to be a problem if it goes through. And uh, we need the Senate, too. We don't just need the House. We need the Senate. Uh, we can't ram things through very easily past the president unless we have a veto-proof one. But uh, we can sure stop some things. We can change some rules in the uh, for the federal agencies. We can strangle some money f- away from some of these craziness. Uh, it would be nice if, uh, by the way, Joe, when you get in there, if you guys could figure out a way to just freeze the salary of Mayorkas, uh, if nothing else, uh, <laughs> and people like that. But, I mean, things can be done. But at least we can put the brakes on so we can make a final change at the top. And uh, it's it's exciting that we might be able to get something reasonable done here in Colorado this election. Um, we we have the opportunity, and Joe is, is one of the folks out there that can make that happen. And nobody thought that was going to happen three months ago. And now they're panicked on the left. They're throwing money all over the place. They're shooting out of a cannon. It's, you know, who knows where it came from. They're putting oil out. Look, 15 million barrels isn't much of a dent. It's not going to do much to the price of gas, really. However, I didn't think the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was Strategic Democrat Petroleum Reserve, you know. Right. And uh, I'm well, a little we got worried. A heck of a camp- we, Rick, we got a heck of a campaign running here. I've built, uh, we built a huge tent. Uh, the coalition is huge. We've got good uh, GOP supporters. We've got Trump supporters. we got unaffiliated and we got a bunch of democrats that have just felt like their party has left them which it has uh left them out to dry and 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 they're moderates and and they want change and and they're they're going to be there for us on the 8th of november but again you you hit it spot on when we started the top here uh it this is about voter turnout and if we get people to turn out we're going to be really happy with the results that we get here on November 8th. I, I think we win up and down the ticket. There's some great candidates on the ticket. I'm excited for uh, a John Kellner to replace uh, uh, Phil, Phil Weiser. We need to get that done. Joe, Joe Weiser. Yeah, we, we, we've got a lot of great candidates out there. Pam Anderson. Uh, we know how important that is to put somebody in there that uh, uh, has some common sense. Uh, what did she throw out? 30,000 uh, 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 Yeah. To, 30,000 voters that uh, weren't registered. Yeah, Jenna Griswold sent out 30,000. She brags about how she's increasing voter participation. Yeah, she sent out 30,000 uh, registration notices to uh, people uh, not uh, qualified to vote. <laughs> she's uh, she's really, she's really you know, growing the base. <laughs> so it's got to stop, you know. And uh, Joe's right. And so we have the opportunity to turn out in mass this time. And it's embarrassing in the state of Colorado, even what people will tell you, it's not a blue state. It's at best a purple state. But it's embarrassing to have all our statewide offices and our, you know, the majority of our federal offices in in Democrat hands. So uh, I look at Michael Bennett and I'm embarrassed. He should have not won the first time he stood after he got appointed. And he snuck in there at a a weaselly time. And now he's got to go. So and Joe Day's the guy to get it done. We're going to give him a retirement program here on the November 8th, and uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, like I said, uh, we'll be back up here in Grand Junction here a couple more times before uh, before we turn in the ballots. It's an important part of the state. Uh, I can tell you that uh, I understand the water problems that we have here in the state. I understand the uh, 
energy problems that we have here in the state. I understand the permitting that's holding all of these uh, energy developments up. I know how to solve that. And those are some of the things that I'm going to work hard on as a U.S. Senator. We're going to get this border closed, uh, secured. We're going to make sure we can stop the fentanyl coming straight up I-25. There's some great things that we can get done if I can get to the U.S. Senate, and I'm excited about being the next representative. Thanks again for having me on. No, I, I think really I know you're. It. I know you're going to rush, Joe. We're going to let you go. Thanks for having us on. I wish you had more time. I got some spalling in my driveway. I'd like to have you look at, but uh, you know. I can't find any concrete guys over here. So <laughs> you have you have a great campaign, and we'll look forward to, uh, to talking to you again or seeing you at your victory party. Thanks again, Rick. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That worked pretty well. Uh, I'm encouraged. I wound up. Uh, it's uh, I, I can't tell you uh, the distress I feel. Because I do some research for the show, as you know, and going out there in the weeds and, as I like to refer to them, the fever swamps of the far left and seeing what they're mad about and what they have planned if they keep control of things is, well, they talk about losing our democracy. I mean, I think that's a cliche. What I will say is we will lose our identity. The identity that we have when we think of what is an American and what is an, what is America, it, it won't be the same. I mean, some of the names will stay the same. It'll be like those shows on TV where, you know, this is a real story, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Well, the names will be changed, but the people that are changing the names aren't going to be innocent. And, uh, we need to be aware of that. It's tough on you folks, I know. Uh, this last few elections, ever since Obama, we've you know had to say this is the most consequential election. And strangely enough, they have been, because each one of them has been some sort of firebreak to stop this wave of progressivism that's been coming. And now it is crested, you know. Now it's crashing against uh, the harbor gates and uh, out there, and, and is it's got to be weathered and then pushed back. Because that's what it's been coming. We've been fighting it. We've lowered the wave as much as we can. And think about this. We have been successful. And many people out there, myself included, are very unhappy with the results of the 2020 election. But when you go back and consider what happened in Congress, it was good. Not great. But for the most part, the, the fact that the Republicans picked up seats in the House, you know, on a, in a presidential election like that. Usually they lose seats. Uh, the fact that we managed to at least hold on to the Senate half and half when we had those disastrous results in Georgia, especially, uh, that was the real killer. And now Ralph Warnock is neck and neck with uh, Herschel Walker. And the math out there for the Senate is tricky. You know, the Fetterman... Oz race, uh, people think, they get confused. You forget that Toomey, who is a Republican, held that seat. So if Oz doesn't win, we lose a seat. Okay? And that means we have to pick another one up someplace out there just to stay even again. So if we lose Pennsylvania, and we need to have Laxalt win in Nevada, which is, I think, going to happen pretty sure. Uh, 
I don't want to get. I, I, I'm trying to look for some wood to knock on over here. I have some. There's some wood fiber someplace in the desk, I guess. And so we don't want to do that. We want Fetterman to win. We, I mean, Fetterman to win. Oh my gosh. I'm going to wish my mouth out with soap. We want Oz to win against Fetterman. And then we'd like Laxalt. And then we also need Joe. I mean, not only for the, for what happened to somebody to look out for Colorado's interest, but we, we need two or three seats above 50. Otherwise, Kamala Harris keeps breaking the tie. I know she's a genius. You put all your trust in her. You know she always does the right things. But nevertheless, we need that. And, uh, you know, the whole Fetterman-Oz race kind of disturbed me because uh, I can't decide if Biden was just, just further flight of fantasy and that empty head of his or if there's something going on. When he said to to uh, Fetterman's wife that, you know, you're going to be a great lady in the Senate because some people were thinking, well, Fetterman wins and then, you know, he can't handle it. You know, he he withdraws, she gets appointed, you know, something like that. I think that's kind of far-fetched, but it, just, it was enough to make me worried. But we have really good races out there. I think for the first time in a long time, you feel momentum on the Republican side in Colorado again. And we have been disjointed as conservatives for some time. And our weakness has always been that we don't coalesce as well as we could after the primaries. And sometimes we've let the Democrats capitalize on that by you know, running false flags for other candidates and for, you know, just sort of prying that apart and trying to mischaracterize other candidates to separate conservatives because Democrats' strength, as we've said many times here, is that at the end, it doesn't matter who the Republican is, they still go vote for the Democrat. And this is the mistake many have made, trying to woo Democrats over. You can maybe, maybe you could scrape off one or two percent. I don't know. I don't maybe one. But when it comes to progressives, you're not. You're just never, if, you, if you're even close to the center of anything, you're not going to be able to win over. They're never going to vote for you. And so you have to keep the base strong. Now, you should represent everybody as a representative for state of Colorado or for congressional district or whatever it is. But the values that of the people who put you in there have to be something to be considered, and these have not been considered for a long time. And as I said earlier when I was talking to Joe O'Day, some of this stuff is just slamming home. The money in your pocket is getting smaller every day. I mean, it would be nice if it actually shrunk. That way you'd be able to see it. You know, But the dollars in your pocket are smaller now in terms of their purchasing power than they were a year ago. And they're smaller now than they were last month. And next month, they'll be smaller than this month. That has to stop. Inflation doesn't just harm economies. If you have enough of it long enough, it brings down economies. It creates unstable governments. And ask any of these places, you know, Venezuela, you know, I'm trying to think of there's two or three others that are really uh, out there. One of them escaped me. It's, it's, it's the old Rhodesia and it popped out of my head what the, what the name is now for some reason. I mean, they're extreme examples, but you know, you have million dollar denominations to go to the grocery store with. And by the time you get there, the price of things have went up. That That is the obviously outside. But look at uh, the Weimar Republic in Germany prior to the rise of the National Socialists. Yes, that's right. They're so, they were socialists. <laughs> they never like to say that. <laughs> you know, they want to call everybody, you know, 
the name of the the shorthand name of their party, but they don't want to call them the National Socialists. That's who they were. I got some great quotes from their leader about socialism versus capitalism. If they're interested in looking at them, and it, it was a lot of it was because huge inflation took place, and people were literally taking, you know, bags of money to the grocery store to buy essentials, and that can happen. And it doesn't appear that the people in power now care about that. And I've become worried, and I've said it on the show before, that they no longer want to tinker with the economy and fix it, but fix it in their way. There's a lot of them that want to crash the economy, crash the country, crash the system. And then they think they're going to rebuild it somehow in some bizarre socialist, you know, commune kind of way that's never worked throughout human history. And what happens when you try and do that, and it's happened and tried in history, is you turn out with a terrible situation, usually a lot of a lot of violence and a complete loss of economic power. Uh, the, turb- the violence comes from all the turbulence in the society. The you know it's a it's something you don't want to see yourself involved in, and that appears where a lot of the people on the far left think they want to go. They want to go with. The whole thing's crashed. Now we get to rebuild it. So a lot of these policies out there that we think, well, surely they'll see they're not working. Gas prices, the higher they go, the better. Crash the whole system. Make everybody you know, drive a sewing machine. That's uh, because they don't understand anything about it. There's been a couple of, and I think I posted them on the webpage. And go to the webpage and take, take a look. You can get there at the rickwagnershow.com or politicalviking.com. They both will take you there. And I know I posted a couple of stories there, one of them about this uh the fact that people have been taking some of these used electrical vehicles in to get new batteries, found out they were $15,000 on a, you know, a five-year-old car. They say nothing about their unreliability. And one of them, the new Hummer out there, pickup truck, takes takes uh, four days to charge uh, off your house unless you have a higher voltage hookup. So you got to vote. See you next week.